Welcome to episode 22 of the Paul Norton podcast. Now, today's podcast is a really special podcast. I'm joined today by sleep expert Tom Coleman. Now, sleep to me is massive. It's such a topic that is so underrated. And there's not many people that speak highly enough about sleep. Now, I was lucky enough to get Tom on the podcast, but I honestly left that podcast, my mind was just, it was blown away with the amount of knowledge and expertise that Tom has built up over the years. Tom has worked with some big names in Ireland, you know, all over the world. And his views on sleep and the benefits of having sleep is just phenomenal. I know you're going to really enjoy this podcast and as always make sure you share like and if you need any advice on health fitness especially with to do with sleep you know contact tom or me take care so i guess first of all anyhow it's bloody it's i'm excited to have you on here as i said before it's not often i get to chat someone about sleep but rather than me explain who tom is you tell me who tom is Lovely. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Thanks for asking me. Um, I started off uh, about 10 years ago working in nutrition. I was always into fitness, I was always into health, done all kinds of sports. And I went back to college and studied um, physiology and um, health science. And I decided very quickly that I was going to set up my own business. I had a keen interest in food as well. And my wife is a chef, so we decided to put our passion together and we created a company called My Nutrition. So people were very receptive in Ireland about 10 years ago towards nutrition. There was just kind of taken off. And um, I got to work with some kind of teams and groups and I became obsessed very early on with what had the biggest impact on an athlete's ability to recover. And I kind of started researching. And then I came across a couple of scientists talking about like the power of sleep. And I was hooked. I was completely hooked. I then contacted um, a company in the US and I got to work with their technology and analyzing sleep patterns for, for elite athletes. And then quite quickly, I got to work with um, Irish rugby. So I was working with Bunster, Connacht and Ulster. And I, I gave talks and I, and I worked with, with um, some of the Irish rugby team individually then on, on, on sleep. Um, and then rather infamously, I worked with a very notorious mixed martial arts fighter from Dublin um, prior to one of his major bouts. Um, and I suppose that like, the journey continues. I've been involved in corporate work uh, for the last number of years. I've been involved in research on sleep uh, a couple of years ago um, with, with, with some really kind of eminent uh, people in the world of, of sleep, circadian biologists and things like that. And my day-to-day job now is sleep. So that's that's kind of, you know, that's that's what I do every day, talk about sleep. <laughs> I guess one um, one question is we're really saying, what is sleep? I guess I suppose the mad question, what is sleep? What is the reason for sleep? Yeah, it's, look, it's, I, it, it's, it's a fantastic question, actually. It's, it's, it's a brilliant question. Now, I get asked a lot of questions, but what is sleep is, is I, I love it, you know? Um, so I just have kind of struggled to understand for a long time. And they used to think it was just kind of, 
you just switched off at night and it was just like kind of powering down your computer you know and it was there wasn't a lot going on and everything but now what they've discovered in the last like we, we've learned so much about sleep especially especially in the last kind of 50 years and even 20 years and even you know we're still learning a lot about sleep and sleep is some areas of your brain are more active when you're sleeping than when you're awake you might say that about certain people <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> some areas of your brain are more active when you're sleeping so it's the change in brainwave activity like how do i know if you're you know unconscious in a coma or sleep mm. so we know sleep is, is a change in, in in brainwave activity so you go from alpha to beta to theta. so that's how we know the different stages of sleep um and sleep has an amazing array of critical functions in human physiology and survival um so it's known as a biological investment, really. That's what it's known as in the scientific community. And we are we are diurnal creatures. We are we are not nocturnal. We are diurnal, which means we, we are designed to be active during light hours. Yes. Designed to be during. Um, there's. Shall I delve into exactly the different types of things that happen while we sleep? Because I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely good to learn more um, on your side. So, like, I suppose, like, just splitting it into sort of primarily, you know, physical stuff and psychological stuff. Um, there's a lot going on in a, in a physical sense uh, in terms of repair in the body. Um, so muscle and tissue repair, scar tissue, all that, most of that's happening and people involved in fitness and everything else, they want to they want to build muscle and they want to heal and they want to, you know, um, optimize recovery really. And, and the vast majority of anabolic process and that happens when we're sleeping because your brain secretes growth hormone. And the more, the vast majority of that is secreted during the first two deep phases of sleep. So the first three hours of sleep. Um, so there's a, it, it makes sense that when the body is in a dormant state, like that's the best time to fix it. Right. Yeah. So it's like yeah. trying to fix a car when you're, when you're driving, it's not ideal. It's like guys who sort of drink a lot of protein shakes and they tell me I'm gaining, I'm building, and, you know, they're not really, they're not. Um, it's at night, that's when it's happening. So, ah. Yeah, so um, that's when most of it's happening, right? Now, if you can dovetail the nutrition piece in with that, then, you know, you're, you're being clever. Um, the other thing that kind of happens is uh, your immune system, immune function, appropriate immune, immune response. So what we don't want is an oversensitive immune system where anything that happens, we have inflammation, just a huge amount of inflammation. Um, we want a, a, an appropriate immune response and there's different stages in immune response. So sleep, um, we know you produce a lot of immune cells at night while you're sleeping, like natural killer cells and mast cells. Your, your immune system regulates, so inflammatory cytokines um, are reduced when you get sleep, so inflammation dies, dies down in the second stage um, happens. Um, so um, essentially when you fall asleep, your immune system wakes up. Um, really important. And then, you know, from a hormone, a hormonal perspective, we can't really talk about any home, like every single hormone is impacted through sleep. If we get, if we, if we suffer from sleep deprivation, then um, we see imbalance across the board in cortisol, in testosterone, uh, estrogen, um, grail and the hunger hormone, leptin, all, every single hormone and neurotransmitter gets kind of thrown out of skew um, if, we, if we have lack of sleep. So 
that's just in a physical sense. And, you know, there's more probably that I could speak about. And then from a psychological point of view, um, your brain cleans itself at night when you sleep. So if we see a, a map of the human body and we see the lymphatic system, so your lymphatic system is part of your circulatory system and your lymphatic system is, is, is designed to remove stuff from your blood and clean your system and keep you, but it doesn't actually extend to the brain. It stops here. Oh, yeah. So how does your, your brain actually must flush itself out and clean itself. And it does that through something called lymphatic drainage. So while you sleep, um, this fluid flushes your brain out, which is really critical for your medium and long-term health. So we think we look at things like Alzheimer's, which is a buildup of plaque, well, which is associated with, with, mm. with the buildup of plaque. So um, your dreams, your REM phase of sleep, which is very light, um, your your subconscious is sort of is filing and storing and, 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 and taking away some of the emotion from things that happened and storing them and giving meaning to things. So, you know, from an emotional point of view, really important. I think it was Matthew Walker, who people will be familiar with. He said, there isn't a single aspect of our physiology or psychology that isn't influenced through sleep. So there is no aspect of you and the body or the brain that it doesn't impact, you know, yes, we kind of just, you know, it's kind of the last thing we kind of think about, you know. So when you, like when you train, you go like train harder, train harder, and then you, yeah. know, you, you have to look after your food and it's like nutrition is so important. No one ever says sleep better. You have to sleep harder. <laughs> and I only learned this. I only learned this too, like, because I was, I used to be driving farming I was in New Zealand, driving machines and diggers. And I used to be the same, like going to bed at 11, 12 o'clock, you know, getting up at five o'clock. And it was only probably... I've only probably gotten tune with my sleep the last probably eight months, like just learning more and trying to do different things and put the phone away. And definitely think yeah. that people like no one really looks at sleep or like, you know, sleep, sex, that stuff. But everyone thing in fitness are so focused on the calories and the trainings and the clothes. But sleep is probably up there with that top pillar, isn't it? It is. I mean, like it's, it's like Harvard called it one of the three pillars of health. Right. So another circadian biologist said recently, it's the foundation that the other two pillars are built upon. Thing is, if I stop you eating and I stop you sleeping, which are you going to die from first? Sleep. Yeah. We know that you'll die from sleep if you don't get sleep. Your brain will be in mush if you don't sleep for a couple of days. That's why every army in the world will, 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 will take sleep away from you. That's the first thing they do because you just psychologically and emotionally fall to pieces and you're very easy to manipulate. And actually the military have invested quite heavily in sleep for decades now. I'm wearing a device there that was designed by the US military for fighter pilots, which measures mental fatigue. So I'm lucky enough that company I mentioned, Fatigue Science, that I that I work with. Um, the US military designed this technology for their fighter pilots so they wouldn't lose the fighter pilot because we know that mental fatigue impacts reaction time. Mm -hmm. It was fine to spend 30 or 40 million on a plane or lose that, but they couldn't lose the, the pilot who took 10 years to train, right? But they, and they, to this day, they invest in... Um, in, in sleep and um, some really kind of interesting, interesting stuff. But we don't, you know, we, we should be spending 36% of our lives asleep. Jeepers. And that's, that shouldn't, that should tell us that's more time dedicated to one activity than any other in, in human physiology. 
So like, it's just, it's, it's absolutely critical in every sense, but because we are an amazing piece of machinery that you can throw any combination of food into that you can abuse and everything, you know, we survive, but yes. it doesn't we're, 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 we're functioning at an optimum level. And that's, that's kind of, you know, where my journey started. I want to find out, right. How can we function at a real, at like our, our very best. And for me, looking at what had the biggest return on investment was it a protein shake was it a massage was it another rest was it cold water therapy it was sleep it was sleep by far so um you know i've been talking about it for years and, and people now are kind of cottoning on to this uh, idea that it's actually you know massively inf influential in in every aspect of our health and, and performance and what's the effect of like lack of sleep you know re regulated with your cortisol hormones and that kind of stuff. Yeah. What's the link between that? So like basically um, serotonin, dopamine, cortisol, you know, all these are, are very much interrelated. If, if you're sleep deprived, see, you, you have something in the morning called the cortisol activation response, right? So people are familiar with cortisol being the stress hormone, right? Now the function of stress is to bring your attention to something very important. That's the, that's the job of stress, right? So in the morning, because we are diurnal, that means we should be up and active in the morning. So we get this pulse of cortisol in the morning, which is called the cortisol activation response. And we can actually help that response, right? Um, and then as, as the day goes on and as activity goes on, the, the cortisol levels start to, to, to fall away in the afternoon and evening and, and die away. And then the melatonin kicks in. But if we're sleep deprived or, or if we have a very stressful life and we, have, we experience stress, that can come in the form of anxiety or different things. That bump in, in, in cortisol can delay our sleep. Also, if we're sleep deprived, we know that cortisol levels remain elevated for longer. Okay, so, um, and then, you know, if, if we experience a stress response, what, what happens? Heart rate goes up, blood pressure goes up, blood is diverted to the muscles, the body sends, you know, fats and glucose to, into the bloodstream ready for action, all that kind of stuff that people are familiar with and digestion is kind of slowed down and put to one side and we have the immune response if we're if we're stressed out so we're, we're producing immune cells to fight and then what happens is if people are very stressed out and then they stop they get sick and i think we're all familiar with that if we've, yeah. if we've been so testosterone that's another one for for the guys and and the ladies because guys and girls have testosterone uh, the same as men have estrogen um so for men, if you get less than five hours, your testosterone drops to that of a man 10 years older, which is quite dramatic, right? Um, say that to all the rugby heads, they're like, oh, oh my God. Um, so it, you know, it, it, it really does, it really does impact quite kind of quickly, but like, you know, we can, because we, you know, we are so adaptable or whatever else we can, we can, we can recover fairly quick if we, if we kind of do the right things as well. And ghrelin, the hunger hormone, we get, you know, are elevated if we're sleep deprived and leptin goes down. The, the, the hormones tell us to stop eating, you know. So it's kind of a, we feel bad, you know, we reach for, we reach for sugar, we reach for whatever to, to make us feel good because we're, our, our, our mood is low. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's a really kind of spiral, a negative spiral downwards in terms of, of sleep debt. What's the biggest, what you think is the biggest, um, they kill her for sleep. Like what's the biggest thing that's affecting people's sleep nowadays? I suppose I would say there's two, two huge issues that I see. 
Um, one being technology. Um, and look, like talking about it, like everyone's familiar with the kind of blue and the white light. But, you know, blue and white light is essential that we get blue and white light during the daytime when we should be receiving light signals. Because a, a profound statement is this. Every cell in your body needs information that's informed by light, which is incredible. Because we have our circadian rhythm, which I'll explain in a second to you, right? But every cell in your body needs information that's going to be informed by light. Now, we need the white and the blue light, but the technology is actually very addictive because it, it hijacks something called the dopamine reward error. So if, we, if we're familiar with gambling, right? Mm-hmm where you pull the lever of the one arm band that you pull the lever, you press the button, you get excited. Ooh. And the wheels spin and you wait and then boom, you lose. So you just pull the lever again. And the second time and the third time, and then you win and you get, ooh, you get a spike of, of dopamine. Now dopamine is the reward neurotransmitters. It's one of the reward neurotransmitters, right? So it whatever, whatever you do that gives you dopamine, like sex, gives you dopamine, right? And it, that that's good for procreation of the species. So it's fantastic, right? And and you want to you do it again. If you eat, you get dopamine. So you want to do it again. And mm. um, you gamble, right? So it's, it's phone co- app companies know this. So they've created the dopamine error reward on the phones that you hear the, the bing, you get this pulse of dopamine. Subtle, it's subtle. And you want to check the phone. And you check the phone, and if you get likes, sometimes you it's just it's just a random email or it's random whatever. Yeah. Sometimes you know you, you get a message or you get a whatever. So phone companies know this, and they hold back likes, they hold back comments from you, so you keep checking and keep checking. And what that is actually doing to your nervous system is it's bringing you up on something called the arousal continuum. So on the one end we have panic at the top, absolute panic. Then we have very stressed then we have stressed somewhere in the middle is where we are now alert and calm i hope yes and that's so your 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 stress system is your cortisol your adrenaline your adrenaline right is your sympathetic nervous system and and as you go down the scale then you go down to relaxation and then you have serotonin that's the parasympathetic that's rest and recover relaxation you feel great drowsy and sleep but that's your sympathetic parasympathetic nervous system. What the phones are doing is they're pushing you up and you don't even realize it. They're pushing you up that scale to where you're kind of slightly stressed out and you don't even realize it. And it kind of nearly becomes the kind of norm. And especially if you're busy and if you're a type A personality, you're busy, you're, you're on the phone, you're, you're just constantly looking and you're thinking, you're doing this during. Uh, what's called duration path outcome, you're doing analysis. Uh, this, tomorrow, next week, you know, the future, you're not in the present. So technology, and it feeds into the anxiety, because that was my number two, was anxiety and stress. Like anxiety is, is a form of stress. Mm. And stress, as I said, it, it brings our attention to something important, and usually that's a threat in some way. And what anxiety is, is that kind of thing. Okay, there's, there's something there which is a potential threat. Now, that is one of the reasons we're so successful as a species, because we're able to look into the future and predict a potential threat, right? But 
when it starts occurring and there's no threat there, that's when it becomes an issue. And that's when it starts disrupting sleep. And the, the dopamine device that is your phone, that, you're, that we, including myself, unless now that I'm aware of it, right, I see what's happening and I see why I can't leave it down. People tell me, I just can't, I, I, I just can't. They come to me with sleep issues and I realize they don't have sleep issues. They have lifestyle choice issues. They have an uncontrolled mind because what they're doing is they're allowing the dopamine and the addiction of to whatever and that constant state of kind of alertness and the analysis and the busy lifestyle dictate their behaviors and it's it's causing huge issues and then COVID, of course has kicked in and thrown in unknown outcome which is feeding into kind of anticipatory anxiety. And it's taken away the framework of the day, which our circadian rhythm usually has a nice, you know, structure to what time you do things, what, what time we exercise, when we work, what time we eat, our social interactions. So technology, huge one. Anxiety, another huge one. I got people just contacting me every day, just suffering from anxiety, kind of no, you know, that kind of feeling in the chest and they can't quite put their finger on it. Um, overstimulation, the un, we have the un, we have the untrained mind, you know, we have in the Western culture with the untrained mind. Part of the idea of meditation and things like that is to bring us back into now. Yeah. And and that for for, for meditating, we're getting more serotonin serene serotonin to bring us back into now to bring us from here into feeling and that will into breath work into stuff like that um and then you know i mean if we do all the right things the sleep look after itself do you know it's because everything you do everything you do from from when you wake up will in, will inform your sleep that night yes that's true I think the biggest thing with social media is that um, not a lot of people realize that social media is it's a very evil machine as in like, you know, you could, you could score, you could go onto social media, you know, every second and have a different news feed. And I only learned this recently um, just looking into that, you know, everyone's news feed is different. So I mean, you could have the exact same friends, the exact same everything, but our news feed would be different because that in algorithm like is picking up, you know, what you like. And that just, you know, as you said, you get that hit at night. And I find myself doing it too is nine o'clock on, I might have a little scroll and then you keep on scrolling and then you go to the toilet, come back and you have a whole new news, a news feed. Just yeah. And a lot of people kind of get, I need to feel the fear of missing out. That if they don't check the phone before they go to bed, they'll miss out. But they don't yeah. really realize that their news feed changes every time they go onto it. Just, it has different algorithms to, for the time of day, for like who they are. And their job is just to keep you scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. See, it's about that's that's tying into the dopamine system as well because what dopamine novelty, new, you said it there like it's just like snippets of information that are new and new and new and new. Something I, I think that was referred to by I think it was Andrew Huberman said he explained that it's, it's called the cool, the Coolidge effect. There was and the story behind it is there was a U.S. president Samuel Coolidge I think I can't remember his name the Coolidge and. He was at he was he was visiting a farm one day with his wife, and they were showing him around all the different animals in this kind of farm. And the the guy pulled out this cockerel, and he said, "Look," he said, "See this cockerel here, Mr. President? 
he copulates about a thousand times a day, you know. And apparently the president's wife like gave him an elbow and said, Do you hear that? A thousand times a day. He's got some uh, you know, he's got some stamina or whatever else. And then the president apparently turned around and said, I've got a question. The same hen or different hens? And uh, the guy was like, <laughs> different hens. So novelty. Novelty. When, when when you have something that's ch- ever changing, and like the news feeds, um, you know they're pu- constantly pushing new stuff. It's just like, oh, that looks interesting, and then your attention span is gone, and then oh, that looks interesting, you know. So there's several ways in which uh, we, we can use our technology in a healthy in a healthy way to help us to get to sleep. But I think p- people need to be aware of of you know of what's going on in terms of the app companies and how they operate and stuff like that. I'm guilty too because you know I've because I do my one-on-one personal training and coaching online, like all my clients in WhatsApp, and um, I find it hard for me to to switch off and not be checking my phone at nighttime. Like last night, I was on my phone till you know ten o'clock, and I went to bed then at half ten, and then I was having a bit of an argument with a client, and I found myself waking up then at half one to check my phone again, and and here I am now, and it's crazy like how I feel now is like I've been hit by a train, but. For me, it's just, as you say, it's hard to, it's hard to, especially from a business point of view, I suppose, that you're always trying to check in your clients and stuff. But I guess from your opinion, yeah. how do you, what would your opinion be in that you're, to try to change See, that mentality? It, it really is about boundaries. And like, I get this with myself. I get it with shift workers. The big, huge issue now is, is connectivity, is that we are so connected. See, like back in, Back in the back in the day when when we didn't have you know the devices or the internet, we weren't so connected. It was easy because once you finish work, you left the office, and that work was kind of over, you know. But now it's 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 we're working from home, so the boundaries have been, the lines have been blurred, right? The lines have been blurred now, and we're so available, and you know everything on our phones is like it's just like a go-to. Like if someone if someone doesn't have a, a smartphone now, they're they're probably be described as a weirdoid or something you know so but with our with ourselves it's that kind of we have to set boundaries around that because and otherwise what's going to happen is we're just we're just going to burn out eventually you know it's a, it's a, it's a long slow path to burnout and i've i've been there myself like for someone who works in health and wellness i work in health and wellness every day i speak about it every day um it's it's easy to get kind of sucked into that and your bed your bedroom should be a haven for sleep. The experts tell us if you're in bed, you should be doing the one of the three S's. One, sleep. Two, if you're sick. Can't remember what the third S is, but you might be able to help me with that one, Paul. Um, so yeah, if you're not doing any of those activities, you should not be in bed. There shouldn't be anything else going on in bed. Yeah. It's, it's, it shouldn't be an entertainment zone. Um, you know, so... If you go to bed, you train your subconscious to associate the bed with sleep. And that's why they couldn't tell you as well to get up. If you can't sleep, get up and get out of the bed. That's a good good question I got asked, actually, is, I suppose, when you go to bed, what would be your ideal? Is there a matter what your room temperature is? For me, I like sleeping in a cold room, but in some hot room. What is the ideal temperature for sleep? 18 to 20 degrees. I'm not sure what the conversion rate. 18 to 20, so that's quite cool. So the idea is... Temperature is the effector. When it, when it comes to like how sleep works in terms of human physiology, 
um, temperature, your body, your core body temperature, your body temperature is what informs different activity from different en enzymes that that really controls part of your circadian rhythm. So your core body temperature peaks about 5 p.m. Okay, so that's why it's kind of ideal to exercise around that time. There's different time. There's different different optimum times to exercise based on your physiology, based on your circadian rhythm. So I just like explain that because it's kind of interesting, right? Mm. So we have a an internal circadian rhythm. So what is circadian? Well, the word means circa is around about, and dn a day, around about a day. It's not exactly a day. It's around about a day. So we have an internal rhythm which should align with the external turning of the planet one day again 23 hours 59 minutes and 44 seconds not exactly 24 and that's why it's circadian um so our circadian rhythm uh, shortly after waking three hours after waking and about 12 hours after waking those are the ideal times for exercise there's different times of the day where different like every system has an optimal time of function so your digestive system works at its best around 12 o'clock in the day and at its worst at 12 o'clock at night. Your gut bacteria have their own circadian rhythm. Um, there's different times of the day, you, like in the morning, it's a very good time to, to, to concentrate, so you have good concentration levels. And you work, we work in cycles. We work, like I've mentioned the circadian, that's a 24-hour cycle. We all know there's monthly cycles seasonal cycles there's something called ultradian rhythms as well so ultra an ultradian rhythm is 90 minutes so when you sleep when everyone sleeps you sleep in blocks of 90 minutes and those ultradian cycles continue during the day so to avoid burnout one of the things you can do is like every, if you're if you're sitting down to do a task do a report manage a load of clients answer a load of emails hit it for an hour and a half and then take a five or ten minute break oh yeah and that has been shown in research to be you you will be far more productive um if you if you work in those kind of cycles of hour and a half cycles and give yourself little mini breaks and again going back to the technology and not being able to pull yourself away if you're not giving yourself that rest and it's a cognitive break it's a cognitive break as much as anything else because when you're in that if you're in that prefrontal cortex the area of your brain, which is in charge of problem solving, planning, is also in charge of um, worry. And if you're ramping up activity and constantly there, you're, 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 going, you're going to burn out. So it's, it's the idea is to give yourself a break and move from thinking to feeling. And that's where your exercise comes in, or that's where your meditation or your breathing or whatever it is that you do, even just to, to chill out um, for five or 10 minutes. What is the yeah, meditation? That's a good one too, because it's something that I've been trying myself to get into, but it's probably a hard one to. What is the benefits of meditation? Why should we do it? Good question. Um, one of the one of the books I've read on meditation um, called Altered Traits. It was written by the guy who wrote Emotional Intelligence, Daniel Goleman. So Daniel Goleman is a, is a Harvard researcher, and along with another. Harvard researcher, they wrote this book. Now they're both, these guys are avid meditators for 40 years. So um, they, they, they decided to sort of apply the scientific rigor to, to, to meditation. So it changes your brainwave activity and it changes your state, how you feel emotionally and everything else. And again, it's, it, 
it's, it's, it's bringing you back into now and it's trying to leverage breathing. So I'll, I'll talk about respiration in, in, in a minute. But um, yeah, so the, the idea is um, to move away from that kind of constant analysis. If you get into a state of meditation, you go into N1, your brainwave activity changes. Similar, if not exactly the same as stage one sleep. So even if people say, I can't sleep, but if you meditate, your brain will get into that same um, rhythm as stage one sleep. So it's, it's very beneficial for us. Um, the other thing it does is if we're tied up in the dopamine system, the dopamine is about looking forward. It's about goal. It's about our goals. It's about, I want to do this. I want, and it's, you're constantly in that kind of agitated. Now, usually with dopamine, we get cortisol or adrenaline or all three usually, right? It's not just dopamine, but we're in that state of looking forward, whereas meditation is about um, being satisfied with what you have right now. And that lowers your blood pressure. It lowers your heart rate. It lowers your respiration, lowers your breathing. But you can, you can, you can leverage your respiration to bring you into that state. Because I know that you've heard of the stress response, but we, we have a calm response. Yeah, and the counter response yeah. is the fastest scientific method to reduce stress. It's it works for everyone every time. It's not based on psychology. It's not. It's based on your breathing, a hundred percent. Every animal has it on the planet, not just humans. So, and you do it already. You do it when you're tired, and you do it another time. So, you what what the calm response is is a double inhale through the nose and a long slow exhale. So the focus is on the exhale. Oh yes. So what, what's what's happening is your your diaphragm uh, compresses the space in your thoracic cavity in your chest, and that compresses uh, your heart, which which speeds up blood flow, and that signals that then to your brain to drop blood pressure and heart rate. And it's also the phrenic nerve and the vagus nerve are telling, informing your brain because it's a two way pathway to to relax essentially. And you do it when you cry. That's the one you, you know when you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. That's the physiological sign. That's reflexive in humans. But we've all heard of the stress response, but no one's heard of the calm response. Uh, Andrew Huberman um, is, is the neuroscientist who's kind of pushed this out there in recent years, but there's, there's, there's a lot of research on it. So any exercise which, what meditation does is it moves the brain away from um, planning, thinking, worrying. So it, it brings it back uh, away from that and into feeling. Um, and also your breathing will slow down, which will naturally lower blood pressure, um, reduce stress levels, um, you know, lower your heart rate and bring you closer to sleep essentially. So that's, it's bringing you down the arousal continuum meditation. And would you do that in the mornings then? Could you do it like, if you wake up in the mornings? Could that be a habit doing the mornings, maybe lunchtime, or is it just night any time? I think I think that if you can again, it's like it's it's what what would be classified as non-sleep deep rest protocol. So anything which involves moving activity away from that sort of planning, I think it's a really good even even if it's for a minute or two that people can kind of dedicate a little bit of time in the morning. Ideally, the morning and you know before bed but like for people to become aware like for yourself for, for all of us like you wouldn't you wouldn't do a high intensity interval training class 
and then jump into bed and expect to sleep. But you do it cognitively, mentally, and emotionally to yourself. We're, 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 we're so bloody wound up and we're, we're getting things done, getting things done, and then, well, Christ, look at the time I have to go to bed, jump into bed and go, you know, what day is today? Oh, I have to have a meeting tomorrow. And then you're, you're, you're answering a message. It's just like, you know, we have to bring ourselves down. We have to bring ourselves down at all those levels to, to achieve sleep because it's not just, you can be exhausted, you can be tired and wired. You know, but we we forget we kind of forget that that this our nervous system needs to needs to calm down, and you know, every, you know, we need to stop stimulating in 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 so many different ways. Um, that's what we should be doing. But before bed, then is it better to let's say meditate then read a book or meditate and listen to an audio book? Find things that wind you down. Find, like it, meditation, I'd say there's multiple benefits in multiple benefits. So like either before or after, ideally probably after, um, your your routine and rhythm before going to bed, you know, I would kick it out. Like I, like it actually starts from the minute you wake up, right? So it starts from are you a person that hits the snooze button? five times before they get up, drags themselves out of bed and goes, oh my God, give me some coffee. And then you pour three cups of coffee into you um, before you feel alive, you know. Like, you, your your sleep routine should start, <laughs> sounds crazy, but it should actually start from the minute you get up. Get outside, get active, get moving, get lots of natural sunlight. Then as the day goes on, we want to avoid the bright light. That's where the blue light blockers, when you want to avoid the light. Now, they're not exhaustive, meaning they won't filter out all the light frequencies that interfere with sleep, but they're certainly a start. Um, and then as evening approaches, if you do, whether you do or you don't train or exercise, you know you should wind down. Mm. And that's where your sleep routine should start to kick in. And, um, you know, you have a bath or a shower that will cause a rebound cooling effect in the body, which will be conducive to sleep because after 5 p.m. your body temperature starts to drop. And if you can help your body temperature drop, it will help put you to sleep faster. So, um, and anyone who does cold water therapy, if you do it in the morning, it will help yeah. you get to sleep yeah. sooner. If you do it after 5 p.m., it will keep you awake longer. Okay. What, cold showers? Yeah, cold showers. If you do like Wim Hof or, or cold water exposure, um, if you do it in the earlier part of the day, it will help you sleep sooner. If you do it in the latter part of the day, it will keep you awake longer. But it, it, it has other benefits. It, it acts as a buffer for stress. Mm. I mentioned the military. That's why the military, every military, utilizes cold water therapy as well because you put yourself in that situation. The other, the other important thing to say about stress is this. Stress is a result of stressors. So stressor for you could be speaking in public. It could be cold water exposure. It could be exercise. It could be an argument with your partner. There's many stressors that cause the stress response. But the stress response is a very general response, which is good news for us, which, is, which means that we can use things to, to, to control the stress response, and like the breathing, like the physiological side, and those things. Um, so your winding routine, as I mentioned, if you have a warm shower, it causes a rebound cooling effect. That will help you. And then find a podcast or a book or a meditation app, or music, like there is no best, the best one is the one that works best for you. You know, it, it's, it's, if you're looking at Netflix or if you're scrolling on social media, 
different that's completely different yeah you know yeah. you want to find something that's that's kind of chilling you out like i find if i read a book that puts me to sleep pretty fast yes, I, I tend to do like i tend to do a podcast i just throw on a joe Rogan or some podcast um it has to be just interesting enough to keep my attention <laughs> you know if it's, <laughs> but if it's i don't want it to be too riveting or engaging um otherwise i'll stay awake listening to it so um all and then the the eye mask get a bloody eye mask i mean they're fantastic it will it will instantly improve your sleep quality the first night you wear it really yeah yeah because we're so sensitive to light i mean one crack in the curtain is enough to wake you up an hour early you know true um light is so like we receive light signals before we're even born you know it's incredible like so we are exceptionally sensitive to light so when it comes to going to bed, I just say, just say for me, I'm going to say, I, you know, I'm sitting here doing work from five to, to eight o'clock, nine o'clock. And what is the benefit of me, you know, having blue glasses compared to not blue glasses if I'm doing laptop stuff like for three hours or four hours? Yeah, see, like once, once the evening time comes, you want to throw on the blue glasses and that will that will help block out some of the light frequencies. The other way to help inoculate yourself against that is to go outside and get some natural light in the close to sunset. Because this particular, we have, we have um, photoganglion receptors in our eye in the back of our eye, which pick up different light frequencies. So if you get sun when the sun, when the, if you get light exposure when the sun is very low in the sky, that will act as a as a, an inoculation against the sensitivity. But the blue light blockers are no harm at all. They're they're good for things like computers or things like that. But don't 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 think that you can sit in front of a very. I would actually combine the blue light blockers with um, a program on your laptop that that cut, slightly cuts out that light as well to help you. And then your cutoff point. Decide on a cutoff point, and I think like, and like th this is the type of thing that helps with stress and anxiety is when you have when you're in control and you set, you set you set the boundaries and you stick to them, um, you know that gives you back a sense of kind of control, and that's one of the exercises that I've taught in to help people deal with anxiety is not, not like we all want the long term goal, but like the you know the the, the low lying fruit. You should be giving yourself like easier targets to hit and giving yourself more encouragement. And then when you hit the bigger targets, give yourself less encouragement, actually. And that's again to do with dopamine, but I'm, there's, there's a reason for that. So, you know, um, I would say set your set your your cutoff point. And you can you can phase you can phase it gradually, you know. Um and like you will, you know, it's like an ounce in health you know we start to we start to really believe in ourselves we start to get confidence we start to get benefit we start to because let me tell you if you look after your sleep you're going to be far more productive the next day anyway that's true, that's true. so would you say that, you know nine o'clock so let's say an hour if i go to bed 10 o'clock for i can say probably an hour before bed probably have that cut off point where you've no really tv or screen time or phone time and then look at what seven hours sleep uh, yeah, about seven and a half hours, so five 90-minute cycles you, you, for most people. Five 90-minute cycles is what experts recommend, seven and a half hours, seven and a half to nine hours, depending on the person. I know a lot of people who can function very well on six hours. I'm okay on six most of the time. Um, 
seven and a half is ideal, but what's more important is sleep regularity. Yes. So like, uh, yes. like if you're a person who can operate at six, then get six every night, you know, go to bed at the same time, get up at the same time, go to bed at the same time. And that's your, you know, your circadian rhythm. And you can, you can, you can kind of train that as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's important. I think, I think, and again, kind of do it gradually, I'd say. So I'd say build some kind of ritual. And that's if you, if you wake up for people to wake up instead of, you know, just flipping to the phone, if you have a little breathing or a body scan, then that's going to work way better than the phone. It's, good. it's far more effective. That's you, true. Again, U.S. military train all their personnel on how to fall asleep quickly. <laughs> uh, they use they use a body scan. I've I've got to work with some of the guys in fatigue science, and um, it's amazing like how much they're still. Some of these guys work with special forces guys on on, on sleep, and it's incredible how much they've put into it. And I guess you know, another thing I always curry, Evan. I look. I I don't use alarms to wake up. I've I'm pretty well set now that I wake up around that half. I had an alarm today, all right. But but general people like I've got one um, client who has issues with when she, like when she wakes up the alarm. You know she finds she's very tired during the day. And my big thing is that I, don't, I could be wrong, but I try to get people to to stay away from the alarm and let their body wake up naturally, like a baby. Yeah, I think I think because like. Thing about it is, I mentioned the ninety-minute cycles. In a ninety-minute cycle, you have you have parts of that which are deep sleep and parts of it which are light sleep. So if you set the alarm, like it's like if you have a nap, if you have a nap for an hour, you're going to wake up and feel like hell. Yeah, because you'll be in N three sleep, you'll be in deep stage sleep. So if you go to bed at an irregular time and you have an alarm set for six a.m., you could be waking yourself up bang in the middle of a of a deep sleep cycle, and you're going to feel terrible. And you're going to feel like you're tired all day, so I would I would agree with that. Um, you can even train yourself to wake up earlier. You know, it's it's how many times you, if you have a flight or you something on the next day, you keep waking up checking the time. I agree with it. I think I think I I don't set an alarm anymore. Uh, I wake up and I check the time, but I don't set an alarm because you know. And some 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 days I have to be up uh, earlier than others, but I'm fairly regular with my sleep now. Does it matter what way you sleep in the bed? Does it matter if you're like, does it matter if in your tummy, backside? All of different. Um, sleeping on your back, you're more prone to um, snoring. Um, people who suffer from sleep apnea, um, I'd advise sleeping on their side. Um, side sleepers are kind of um, more prone to maybe um, tummy issues. Or, or, and if you're front, if you sleep in your front, your stomach issue, you could have stomach issues or GERD things like that. Um, ideally, you should be sleeping on both sides and your back you should be switching around and that facilitates the draining of fluid from your brain, uh, the buildup of, of plaque. That's amazing. I've got a lot. I've got a few questions for you here. Hopefully sure. Questions. One question that actually come up quite regularly is that a lot of um, people were wondering like when they wake up, they might wake up during the night to go for a pee and they find it, and yeah. even during they wake up at night time and they find, like like me this morning, I woke up at half one, checked my phone, and I found it very hard to get back to sleep. Yeah. What would be the reasons for that? There's three big reasons you wake up. So when you fall asleep, your first 90 minute cycle, you have five to 10 minutes of REM sleep. Now REM sleep or dream sleep is a light phase of sleep, okay? Your second 90-minute cycle is very similar. You have a little bit more REM sleep. Your third, fourth, and fifth cycle, your REM phase is getting longer and longer and longer. 
which means that your sleep is getting lighter and lighter and lighter. So as the night progresses, your sleep is getting lighter and lighter and lighter. Also, as the day goes on, sleep pressure builds up in the brain and we have to pay back that debt with sleep. So after you've slept for three or four and a half hours, you've paid back most of the, of the, of the debt. So the pressure of sleep comes off the brain. That's two things. And the third thing is hormonal. So you start to produce a lot of hormones like testosterone is secreted when you're sleeping. Oh, the yeah. highest, your, your testosterone levels will be at their highest in the morning. So that will wake you up. And that's just one. So does, now we call it sleep-wake cycles because it's not one continuous event. So it's a very normal thing that people wake. But what do you do when you wake? Like most people, I like everyone, you know, the hand goes out of the bed, you grab the phone, you press yeah. the button, you yeah. go, all that kind of stuff. And then you get stressed out. Oh God, I can't get back to sleep. So that's where your little ritual comes in. So you learn a body scanner, you learn a meditation, you go, oh, I'm awake again. Don't actually need to check the time. Um, and I'm just going to do my little ritual and, and go yes. for a pee or whatever you have to do. That's fine. No problem. You should, you should be able to fall back asleep again. And again, you can train yourself to do this. Like one of the biggest one of the biggest things is a kind of cultural attitude or our attitude, I can't do that. And like you know as a personal trainer, when you maybe with people that you have to build their confidence, you have to you have to turn them around and you have to go, you know what, you can do that. You can train yourself to do that because the brain is an amazing piece of kit and you can do that. And um, so I think getting over those kind of aspects and having a, like anything else, have a little strategy, have a plan and, and, and work at it and you'll get better and better and better. Well, the big thing is I, I'm, I've, got, I've got this saying, um, what you folks, folks on will grow. So I suppose if someone is waking up and they check their phone, they can't go to sleep, but then the next night then they might associate not getting back to sleep with that one instant and they keep on focusing on the phone and can't go to sleep and stuff. It's very easy to get into a negative cognitive habit. And I can tell you like, I've got some amazing messages of people over over the last sort of couple of years. Just a couple of weeks ago, I got a message off a woman and she's like, I was taking sleeping tablets for years, she said, and I'm off them now for the last three months based on what you've told me. And she took pictures of her diary and sent it to me. I was like, oh my God, she was so happy. And it makes a huge, it was like, but I know that people... I know that people can, if like for the mo most people I deal with, most of them, as I said, they don't have sleep issues. They, they, they have lifestyle choice issues. And that takes time to get out of that kind of habit. As you get older, does your sleep, you know, just say for a baby who yeah. needs big sleep, the older you get, does that change? Like, would you say perimenopause, females, does that sleep? Yeah, change? big issue there with, with, um, with, with females, with perimenopause, and menopause. we get worse at, at everything. <laughs> age um sleep is one of those things we just get worse at as well so wake episodes increases as we age but perimenopausal and menopausal women experience huge issues with sleep their estrogen levels and their progesterone levels just fall off a cliff and progesterone progesterone has a has a key role in sleep so that's the reason they experience something called vasomotor symptoms where they get hot flushes um some of the things they can do outside of HRT would be to eat foods that are high in phytoestrogens. So you can even get a supplement. You can go to the, the health food shop and, and get foods that are high in phytoestrogens. And um, that can that can help uh, avoid spicy food, alcohol, things like that. And um, 
yeah, regular exercising as well. Matt, how does what, what's progesterone do for sleep? Because no progesterone is that's that's quite a nasty hormone in general for females. Well, how, what's that doing for sleep then? Re- relaxation. It, it it helps relax. It helps relax the nervous system, of the body. So that's that's as far as my knowledge goes on female uh, hormones. I'm afraid. Um, yeah, it just helps. It helps. It helps relax and bring them into a state of relaxation. And during the menstrual cycle as well, there are times where females might struggle a little bit more than normal um to the different phases so i think anything with 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 like it's, it is a huge issue for 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 uh, female hormonal health anyway so foods that help that are things like um soy products and linseed flaxseed anything with the essential oils uh, omega-3 omega-6 uh, those will help uh, female hormonal health nuts seeds berries actually got one <laughs> question for you and the question was basically, had a, had a girl who says she, um, she can't sleep um, until late night time and has to take sleeping tablets. Next day, it feels like crap, takes magnesium. Mm. What should you do? That sounds like a question for you, Tom. Yeah, yeah. The sleeping tablets have been described as a very blunt instrument. So sleep, sleep, sleeping tablets will interfere with deep stage sleep. Um, and also, in many cases, REM sleep. And the thing is, light sleep and deep sleep are equally important as well. So... I would talk to your GP about a better option. See, this is where the, there's a big kind of gap in the market between mm-hmm. somebody like myself who talks about sleep and then doctors who medicate and then counsellors who deal with issues. Because I've had counsellors contact me and say, can you help this patient with sleep difficulties? But it could be a cognitive, you know, CBTI, cognitive behavioural therapy for insomnia is what they really need. I would say talk to your GP. There are other things that you can take like um, magnesium, like L-theanine, excellent for sleep, like ashwanga, which is very good for stress and anxiety. So the question that I would, I would fix every other area, like all the sleep hygiene tips that I give, but about at the same time, get lots of sunlight, exercise, reduce stimulants and sedatives like caffeine and, and alcohol. Um, do all of these things first and then see how your sleep is. Um, if, we're, if we're connected, if we're outside, if we're moving, if we're like, if you've ever been out at the beach all day or out gardening or out doing, if you've been really active all day and you look after, you, you know, you've no problem sleeping. The sleep yes. kind of yeah. So I, I would say that first and then, you know, why is the sleep happening? Why is the sleep issue happening? That's my question. That's a good question about caffeine. I, what is your? Because I actually not drink caffeine, but I've started drinking um, lemon and ginger tea before bed. And for me, I think that's caffeine for you. For me, that's actually quite a good relaxing at nighttime. Yeah, yeah. Caffeine takes time, five to eight hours. It has it has a half life of five to eight hours, which means fifty percent of it is eliminated from the system. So it depends on your genome. Some people process caffeine quickly. Some people have higher thresholds. You can get a cup of you can get a cup of coffee, and I can get a cup of coffee out of the same machine, and it will have different caffeine levels. So, um, the variance in coffee beans of caffeine is 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 huge as well. So, like, you know, it it not only interferes with sleep onset, it also interferes with the depth or quality of sleep because it agitates the nervous system and it stimulates adrenaline. So it affects your system in many ways and it impacts your sleep in many ways. So what we have to do is have a cutoff point, which is usually about 1 to 2 p.m. 
uh, and not more than one to two cups or two two or three cups depending on the strength of coffee so just again try it like we're creatures of habit go for a hot drink which is like a fruit tea or like you said a lemon or lemon balm or something like that that's going to kind of help you what are good foods is what are good foods then you can have before bed because i noticed again another another regular question that comes up is that how late should I eat food? And I guess then from that, if you were ordered to have food before bed, what's a good fruit that helps with your melatonin and stuff? Um, tart cherries contain a clinical dose of melatonin, a handful of tart cherries or a handful of pistachios. Both of those contain melatonin. Really? Melatonin will help with, with sleep onset. Foods that also help are foods that are high in amino acid called tryptophan, so a da- dairy or cereals. Sweet potatoes, banana, pumpkin seeds are all high in um, tryptophan. And then if you if you want to get a bit more general about it, probably not going to like me saying this, but if, okay, your overall calorific intake for the day is the most important thing. If you eat carbohydrate-based foods closer to evening time, that will facilitate sleep because it produces more serotonin. Yes. Um, now, because we all know if you had a big plate of pasta you're just like hey I want to sleep you know? <laughs> um, so yeah that, and then you need to leave a couple of hours experts would say two to three hours how achievable is that well you need need to leave a couple of hours ideally like so you're not you're not causing disruption and yeah. food too late causes disruption it causes a thermic effect which is going to increase the body temperature as well so um, be mindful leave two to three hours you know, and um, so cereals, some dairy products um, can be interrupted. But the um, the pistachios and the tart cherries or the cherries. My about pistachio ice cream? Does that count? <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. I'm not sure how many calories have been in or whatever else have been in. But <laughs> what? Um, another big thing I see come up in the question was sleep paralysis. What's the the yeah. whole thing around that, and how do you manage it? Yeah, it's, it's just what would tend to happen is if you're having sleep paralysis is probably that your dream, you dream during REM phase sleep and that could be leaking into another part of your sleep or it could be a kind of slight disconnect because atonia is what happens when you're in REM phase. Atonia is paralysis, is the body paralyzing you so you're not moving while you're dreaming. And then it starts to reconnect the circuits in the right order and some people wake up and they can't move, and it's quite frightening. Um, so, yeah, it's just so it would depend. I mean, you have to kind of find out what's happening. Is it is it um, night terrors? Is it is it you're having bad dreams, or is it just that thing of of of? It's kind of a glitch. It's like what happens to some people is they when they're falling asleep, they're falling. They get that sensation and they jump. They wake up. You know, and that's that's the disconnection. That's your body and brain starting to disconnect the nervous system from sort of taking action. And you're kind of you're think about you're falling into sleep, and people visualize them fall. They don't want to let go because well, they're not afraid to. You're in a very vulnerable state when you're dreaming as well, when you're asleep. Think about it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, you're very vulnerable. And I experience. I've had people saying, "Look, I I can't sleep. I can't let go. Like I can't." You know, because they're afraid almost. But the uh, the paralysis is is quite frightening. Just is it associated with anything else, or is it just that you can't move for a second and then you come out of it? Again, the usual sleep hygiene, stimulants, sedatives. People who experience more of this are people who who smoke marijuana as well. So 
if you, if any of those things apply to you, then reduce them. And then is there a link to that then to people who yeah, sleep talk, people who, you know, pee the bed, who that kind of stuff? Is that a link or is that a different audio? Um Parasomnia is there called as parasomnia. So like, again, you know, they can happen for various reasons. They tend to increase, certain incidences increase with age. Some, some of them are quite prevalent in childhood and then they reduce. So like the, the bedwetting and, and that. Um, there's a host of sleep eating. People do people aren't even aware of, of, of that, you know, which is kind of mm. uh, a mad one. Um, generally, interventions tend to be in, in um, a pharmacological sense, uh, which I wouldn't, I nearly need that as the last kind of route. There's no, there's no worry about it. And you can wake people up if they're, if they're sleepwalking or sleep talking. It's fine. Now, night terrors are something different. If people are waking up, generally kicking and screaming and punching and very upset and confused, or whatever else, or sometimes they don't wake up. They just they kick and scream, and they seem to be awake, but they're asleep. And then they fall, they go back into a restful state, and they don't even remember it. That can be very upsetting for the for the person who's witnessing it, but the person who's gone through it, they're grand. That's but again, it's quite a medical intervention, you know. Well, from your opinion, then, from because you were doing nutrition and coaching before, from your opinion, then, for someone who is trying to lose weight or lose fat, even get stronger. What are the big benefits of and negatives of, you know, someone who's getting seven hours sleep, who's getting less screen time than someone who's, you know, up playing Xbox all hours and that kind of stuff? So like it impacts in terms of in terms of these things, it impacts body composition. Um, you build all your muscle when you're asleep. Um, cortisol levels are going to prioritize fat storage or whatever. So if you've elevated cortisol levels for longer from a hormonal perspective, I mean they what what drives what drives body composition is primary okay it's calories but it's hormonal it's it's hormonal hormones are exceptionally powerful so that like the cortisol um the body um the uh, testosterone the muscle building um growth hormone all of those things um really really powerful in terms of body composition in terms of sports performance reaction time um, shot accuracy, a lot of data out there on shot accuracy, um, aerobic capacity, perceived level of exertion, time to exhaustion. You can go through the full gambit of performance and you can look at all of those and all of those are negatively impacted. Um, and you're not giving your brain a chance to clean, to reset. Um, you're not, you're just not going to be sharp. You're not going to, decision making and reaction time are, are close. There's two types of reaction time. There's, 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 there's like a, uh, yes or no there's like there's, a, there's an immediate reaction or there's decision making do I pass the ball do I shoot or do we um, both of those are negatively impacted from a lack of sleep so I mean it's it's and where do you see all this you'd see it in the last kind of 15 minutes of a game or you'd see it towards the end of, of performance people who sleep who get less than the optimum amount injure more so you look at someone like Jan Lamar sports scientist who's looked at athletes over the course of a couple of years and can tell us it's it's a direct correlation between injury and hours slept so it's it's huge like it's you know every every aspect really yeah it's, it's just it's so important it's, again it's one thing that i'm trying to push my clients because if you've got if you if you're lacking in sleep like you know the next day you're gonna you're you're gonna binge more you're gonna you know everything's gonna be because there is a link between lack of sleep and your gremlin hormone isn't there 
Yeah, you're great. If you're great, you're greater levels are going to be elevated, which means you're going to get cravings. And let's face it, people, you're not getting cravings for salads, are you, lads? Um, <laughs> it's it's um, white carbohydrates, and your mood is down. Your mood is low, and your your brain will hijack the, the limbic system. So you're you're sitting there, and you're going, oh my god, if you turn your brain goes, oh, I know, I have a chocolate bar, you'll feel great, and you eat that, and you get a blast of serotonin, and you feel great, and then you feel horrible. Um, so. It's yeah. So ghrelin is is elevated if you're sleep deprived, and leptin, which tells you to stop eating, leptin goes down. So it's a double whammy. Sleep is huge. I guess one. This is probably a really similar question to probably one of the last questions. Like the likes of a, a you know, someone that wants to get good sleep doesn't matter. Like this actually come up quite a lot in the Q and A, but like tread counts on your bed sheets and pillows and stuff. Is there a link between that or not really? We are sensory, so it is a matter of like percentage. How often have you nearly been asleep where you were like, oh, God, I was so close. Like, the idea is this, that you create a sensory haven for sleep. Like, you think about, like, what would be the most, like, the nicest place for you to go to sleep. So, like, one of my mates, he said, like, he changes the bed sheets every Friday because he actually looks forward to going to bed because it's really nice. Like, think about your bedroom. Your bedroom should be clutter-free, it should be a place that's cool, dark, comfortable. Like, like just do it one time. Just like do your bedroom like the ideal place to sleep. You'll have a nice lavender smell. You'd have clean sheets. You'd have. You will sleep better, and you will feel better if you do that. So, like, I would encourage all of that. Like, definitely. So, I guess a bit, before we leave, then I guess what would be your typical? What's your typical day from when you wake up to when you? Go to bed for your sleep and less screen time. What's your advice and from morning to evening? A quick um, my, my my advice is when the alarm goes off, you're only allowed to hit the snooze button once and then you're getting up, whatever you feel like. You get up and you get and you dress your bed in the morning, right? That's your first thing off the of the list done. Right. So you're already giving yourself encouragement that you've hit a goal and you haven't left your bedroom. Dress the bed. Get out, go up to the kitchen, get your tea or coffee or whatever your drink is, your step outside the door. Go outside within, certainly within an hour of waking. Get outside and spend 10 minutes outside. Okay, so, and then step inside and see how you feel. You will feel awake. And then you set about your day. Do not drink too much coffee. Do not drink too much alcohol. Um, you know, get your food in at regular intervals and then decide on... Um, when you're going to cut off, you know, decide on what time you're going to cut off, um, and and stick to that, and then you have your your wind down ritual. So, you, your cut off doesn't necessarily have to mean the phone. If you're using your phone in a positive way, that that's I'm okay with that. Like if it's music or if it's a podcast or something that's going to help you get to sleep, that's fine. I'm okay. It's the it's the mindless scrolling that that I have issue with or the Netflix. Have a have a warm shower. Have well, have food first. Have food. Have a warm shower. Practice a deep breathing. Even whatever you know, whatever form that takes, whether that be a meditation or a body scan, but get control of your mind here. Start get do like your mind is like a little bunny rabbit that'll just jump around from tasks. You know, from oh that looks interesting. You know, so gain control of it. Now, if you're type A personality, be mindful of not putting yourself under too much pressure to, to hit your sleep targets either. You, you That type of person needs to unwind a, a little bit. So, um, and then get your, have your little ritual, your eye mask, turn on your podcast, lie there and 
is sleep will happen if you've done all those things correctly. And That's if you wake up, fine. If you wake up, you do the same again. You just start to enact that ritual. I suppose the morning then too is that probably no, like I try to get a habit of when I wake up, don't look at my phone for at least an hour or two hours before I wake up. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's good. It's it's create space in your create space. Bring your bring center yourself. Bring yourself to feeling, not thinking. We're we're overthinking, and we we have too many targets to hit. We have too much pressure on us in every sense. So we need to just pull back from that a little bit. Because what what is just a quick one? What is the effects then of someone that is lacking sleep, like compared to whatever be like? So you know, let's say you're lacking sleep, you're only getting five six hours of sleep every single night. Once you for someone that really, really struggles with getting seven hours of sleep, what, what is it just like doing everything we talked about, putting them into practice and place? You, you just have to realize the difference between insomnia and sleep deprivation. You know, if you're doing all the things, if you're putting everything into action and you're getting X amount of sleep and you feel okay with that, that's absolutely fine. You know, but like if you're not creating the right circumstances and environment, and you're, you're continually missing, missing out on sleep and you're continually feeling tired and you need more. We know that you're more likely to get a heart attack, a stroke and cancer. That's why shift work is classified as class one carcinogen. Because now you, you meet, I've met people who are fine on, you know, four and a half, five hours, six hours sleep. And they're, they're, I've met people who need 12 hours sleep. So you have to, now most, most of us in the bell-shaped curve fall in the seven and a half we just, we just have to know that we can't burn the candle at both ends and expect to get away with it without consequence. You know, some people will, but not all people will. So um, you're, you're going to be tired. You're going to be less productive. You're going to feel grumpy. You're not going to be a great person to be around. You're going to be drinking coffee all day to keep you awake. That coffee's going to keep you awake that night and yeah. you're back into yeah. a negative cycle. Right? That's amazing. I guess then, what's the one piece of advice you can give to everyone listening? Do you want me- Wind, check yourself. Where are you here? Where are you here? Unwind. Give yourself a break. Don't be sorry. Just unwind yourself mentally and emotionally. It's amazing. Where can where can people find you, Tom, if you want to get in contact? And um, people can find me, tomcoleman.ie, um, on Instagram. And you can just message me there. I will contact you. I will I will get back to you. And um, I will, if you need to, I, I will email you. So I, I, if I could... Like to say hello to to um, my cousin lives in Sydney. Amazing. So, yeah, Julian Doyle. So shout out to Julian um, and all the family and um, Porrick Joyce as well. Just in case Porrick tunes in, both great um, men from the west of Ireland. They're taking over now. It's great to have you on. It was that was a that was that was so interesting to me. It's one thing that I just sleep is just one thing that lacks in in the fitness world now. It just it was just so good to have a chat with you and. And um, thanks for coming on, and it's been amazing. My pleasure, Paul. It's been a pleasure for me. I'm gone global now, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so <laughs> um, keep keep up the great work and keep pushing it out there. It was a pleasure to talk, and thanks very much to everyone. Amazing.